and welcome to another edition of the Football Podcast with myself, Christian Jack, and Stephen Caldwell. Today we chat about Liverpool staying the pace, Whitecaps falling to the Galaxy, Toronto FC's disappointing draw at BMO Field, the impact drawing in New York, mentioned them, what about Bayern Munich crushing Borussia Ooh. Dortmund, Spurs have opened their new stadium, and the CPL have launched some new kits. And we're right here at BMO Field after a long day in the studio at TSN, and here at BMO Field, Toronto FC got the 2-2 draw with Chicago Fire. A strange game, Stephen. Yeah. But in the end, a, a good game. And it's good to be here on site with our boys Clay and Sean taping away. Here yeah, thanks guys for coming yeah. down here. It saves us a car journey and it's nice to be in the stadium. It's I always like being in an empty stadium. There's something weird about the atmosphere of a, an empty stadium. Of course, we're up high and we're, we're in one of the, the suites. But um, the game itself was an unusual one, KJ. It was, wasn't it? It was, um, it was a, a team that came in with a real defensive shape in the Chicago Fire. And, and TFC, I thought, moved the ball well in the first half. They never really created a lot of chances. Um, and second half was completely different. I thought TFC were very disjointed. It's probably the worst half that I've seen from them this season out with the Champions League, of course. Um, and I just felt that. They were somewhat predictable and very vulnerable defensively. I don't know what you thought. Yeah, I thought they played really well for 45 minutes. I thought it was as good as I've seen this season. I really did. I thought the the, the formation. I was watching it down there, and you know, I'm like ten yards away from Greg Vanny, and he's he's he was he seemed uh, he seemed very calm. He seemed. I mean, he's often calm anyway, but he yeah. seemed very assured and very content with what he was seeing. And as I said in the halftime on TSN, I felt that it's the dream formation for him at that point when things are ticking well because he's no longer have to play with the two up front and Altidore's playing up front. He got the wide areas going. You got the fullbacks bombing on, and then I, I thought you know. Osorio and De Leon played quite narrow, maybe a little bit too narrow a little yeah. bit in the first half. I know Vanny was instructing Osorio to move a little bit further out to give them a little bit more overlaps on that left-hand side, like they did on the right-hand side, which was a, a real avenue for success through 45 minutes. And then, of course, the sucker punch, which I think they're always going to be vulnerable against. Anyway, no matter whether they're in charge, they had over 70% possession yeah. in the first half. And that kind of gave Chicago more confidence. I would say that I think we were going to expect teams to come in and defend like that I would expect them to come in and defend like that the one thing I would give Chicago a lot of credit was is that even though they defended quite deep they still had a lot of technical players Yeah. so he had players like Katai Jordi Mihailovic who was very very good buying into this defensive shape so when they did have time to transition you've got ball players who then could then get in behind or really threaten TFC. Yeah. It wasn't like a pure bunker job where you've got four defenders, another def a bunch of defensive midfielders who really couldn't do anything with the ball. So I felt that they had that danger on them. And I always felt coming tonight, today, that I felt I'd see Chicago score. And so it, so it proved. Yeah, I didn't see that in the first half. You know, I, I saw a team, I agree with you, very technical players and they could keep the ball at times, but they couldn't transition in any kind of attack. And then, of course, right at the end of the half mm. was the, the one long ball, really a shocking goal to concede from TFC's point of view. To, to You know, a chipped long ball forward. There was no real quality on the ball and, you know, a decent run from Sapong, but Mavinga should have defended it a lot better. And it suddenly changed the, the whole psychology of the game for me because... TFC, after having dominated and shown some good signs, maybe should have been more than one goal to the good, come in level at half time. And it really gave Chicago Fire belief. They came out in the second half. And then we did see that. We saw Katai, Mihailovic, yeah. Sapong, Nikolic got his goal. We started to see more um, ambition and more adventure from the attack and a team that felt, okay, 
these guys are vulnerable. We can hurt them on the counter-attack. And I thought that's when we seen the best of Chicago, where they, they, they did still get back into that low block and defensive shake. But when they went forward, they went with numbers and they went with purpose and they looked really dangerous. And I think some of that was down to the, the ambition of Chicago Fire and some of that was down to the tweaks and shape from Greg Vanny. Uh, Larea was was more tucked inside. De Leon was trying to provide that width. But they got caught in between defensively, KJ. There was some gaps there, I felt, that, that weren't really being exploited or weren't being uh, defended well by TFC and they were being exploited by Chicago Fire. I agree. Caused by the, the, the deepness of Michael Bradley. Didn't like it. It was it was back to that Bradley in, in the back line. And I just think when he does that, yes, he's on the ball and he can start attacks, but he starts them from such a deep area. They're, they're not really hurting the opposition. And then defensively, that then causes indecision, mm-hmm. gaps appear, and teams exploit it. And Greg Vanny was very, very disappointed with the opening goal they give away because I think as a coach, you think you've had all that possession. And as you greatly just so eloquently put it at that point, you just, I felt like when you dominate the game like that, you just need the defense to just do their job at that point. And they continue to press high and know that and, and go for the goals as they should have. I felt they smelled yeah. like they could have really put the game away by halftime. They were that dominant with the ball. But this TFC team really post MLS Cup have always had that about them, have they not? Yeah. Like the vulnerability to be able to concede a goal really within 10 seconds. And that's the alarming part as we see this they're using the word project a little bit more now this season and everyone's buying in. And we saw Michael Bradley say this week that it was the best training they've seen since he's been here. Yeah. Greg Vanny saying we're really focused on the long-term goal and the project here where, you know, when last year was a little bit more singular focus on every game to try and win the game. That's fine. And I think there's, I really believe it. I see the motivation. I see, I see an attitude change yeah. this year. I don't know about you, but they've got to do something about that defensive issues because I'm not sure whether you know what they could do, what they do about that, but they they are vulnerable. And and, and by the way, Seattle next week. Yeah. If you think they're vulnerable to Chicago, it'd be more free. Wait till you see them. Yeah. And in, in fairness, I thought they were playing a, a pretty average MLS side today, and mm. in the second half, particularly, they, they, they showed that they can be be got at. So you think about a Seattle or an LAFC or a Sporting Kansas City or even a DC in the East and, and, and you see a team that are probably going to be licking their lips thinking they're going to get a lot of joy against TFC. It's To me, it's a number of issues, but the, the one that I want to focus on is the fact that Bradley comes deep and of course Mavinga and, and Drummer spread out, the fullbacks go high and it's a very expansive shape and when the football is really, really good, it's difficult to play against uh, for a, a, any visiting team to come here or or any team playing TFC. If the football breaks down and there's a there's a turnover, they're so vulnerable because they're in between, and that's what I don't like about it. And I I, I don't think that they have an outstanding defender there that can really mop it up and, and cover the, the deficiencies. And so when you see the play where Drew Moore gave the ball away and the long ball comes, Bradley was defensive, but three, four yards too high. And Mavinga was then unsure about how much to cover round, caught in between, not thinking like a defender and within two touches, it's in the back of the net. And, and it changed the whole concept of the game. And there was a number of times from up high, it's a great vantage point. You see it and, you know, you, you're, you're sort of looking through your, your, your hands to say, oh, there's space there. And I, I just think of the better teams in MLS 
coming here, I'll just be thinking, oh, here we go. A Carlos right. Vela or, you know, a Johnny Russell and a Gerso and name it. These kind of guys, they will be licking the lips thinking we're going to get some joy against this TFC backline. So is it a personnel thing or a tactical thing? So you talk about some of the attacking players yeah. there in MLS who can lick their lips. Well, LAFC had another dominant victory today at DC. They they have got an amazing attacking flow the way they're playing right now, but yep. they've also got Canadian Mark Anthony K and Edward Artiesta who yes. are very good balanced in midfield there. Um, for, um, are we getting to the point now where they're better than Marky Delgado and Michael Bradley, for example, at the way that they're playing at the moment as a partnership? is Can it be fixed or do they need to play a different player in that role? I think they need to play a different, not so much formation shape, but a different way of playing. I don't think Bradley needs to go that deep. And my reasoning is you're playing against Nemanja Nikolic, who is not the most mobile centre forward in MLS, nowhere near it. Why does Bradley have to go back? You've got Mavinga and Drew Moore there. You've got a 2v1. Your fullbacks can still go high. Bradley can play at the base of midfield where we saw him in the, the two games previous and be dominant and, and do his work in there where it's a little bit more difficult to get space, but it creates better solutions for the, for TFC. Mm. And so because Mihalovic is right on Bradley, his solution is to go deep, to play in more of a back line because he wants to get on the ball. And I understand that because he's dictated the tempo of TFC for a number of years now and he does it very well. But when he has to go that far back to do it, what happens? Puts well has to come deeper, Azorio a little bit deeper. Everybody has to adjust because of that. And then it's and then you're playing in front of it for the Chicago. Everything's in front of they you. They were delighted, yeah, weren't they? They just went absolutely. Puts well on you. Go there, get on the ball. We're happy. We know you're not going to play in between the lines. Our whole game plan is to restrict that space in between the lines. And so when they see puts, we used to do the same with Higuain, Columbus Crew. When Higuain played between the lines, he was a nightmare. Mm. He was a complete problem. And we always used to say, once he goes that other side of the midfield and he's playing in front of our two banks of four, we were delighted because we knew he was still a good player like Pozzuolo is, but less effective. And so I just think that it starts with Bradley and then it goes throughout the entire team, play a little bit higher, create some problems further up for teams. And that way, then you can stretch the pitch a little bit better and you can ask more questions. But today, it was an excellent defensive performance from Chicago Fire. But I thought TFC played into it a little bit. Yeah, Schweinsteiger was terrific, wasn't he? Superb. He's reading the game. Oh, yeah. Immense. Just- yeah, he said to me after the game on the field about just a difficult team to defend against and one of the best in MLS. And he was, you know, he, I think you could see that he was reveling in the, yeah. in that challenge of that, you know. Um, as usual, we always ask for your thoughts on hashtag AskAFP. We'll get to Shawnee later in the show with your questions. Some really good ones again this week. And Whitecaps will get to you shortly. Before we do, though, um, some questions on Twitter from AskAFP about this game. Alex said he was disappointed with the way the team played, um, unable to create enough opportunities, but it should have still taken the three points. Um, Taylor again said the hashtag love the pod. Thank you, Taylor. Also a lot of concern about Alex Bono right now. Mikey said, when is it time to play Vesberg over Bono? Alvaro Gil, what's the long-term outlook on Alex Bono? Some people questioning Alex on the first goal. Um, Look, at the end of the day, 10 points from 12. There's, I don't think we're anywhere close to a goalkeeping change yet. Yeah. But I do think people are looking at areas where TFC could get better. And I think... Alex knows he could get better and I think he'd be disappointed on that goal. He will be disappointed. Um, He got caught in no man's land. No keeper wants to be there and he he sort of makes it easy for the forward. But I can understand why he was up there. You know, he felt the ball might skip through. To me, the major blame on that goal is with Chris Mavinga 
He has to defend and defend better. Do you and, think uh, Mavinga would like Alex Bono to be further up in his goal? Out potentially, of his goal? because he is very deep. He's very deep for yeah. where the ball is playing, yeah. being played on the field. Yeah. But in fairness, if Bono was really far up, unless he's challenging CJ Sapong, he couldn't do anything about it because he brought the ball That's down, right. didn't he? he? Controlled it in the, the half volley as it hit the turf. Brilliant touch from Sapong. And then Bono's in no man's land at that moment. And it's a lovely little left foot finish over Alex Bono into the back of the net. But the, the, the minute... Mavinga decides not to essentially overcome a cover, sorry, and come right round. He's got to make a challenge as soon as Sapong takes a touch. Mm -hmm. There's no challenge that comes in from Mavinga. A bit too impassive defending for me. And he's been a touch shaky at the start of the season. There's so many wonderful things in a game. He's a, he's a terrific player. I just don't think that defending is at the top of his mindset. And that to me is always a problem. I was a guy that liked to just defend first and bring other parts to my game second. I don't think that's the mindset of Chris Mavinga and I think that it gets him caught out at times and, and the uncertainty between that back line and I'm half including Michael Bradley in it here when I'm saying this and of course the goalkeeper Alex Bono, it's there. The, the seeds of doubt are still there and that to me is the only real concern for TFC at the moment, especially in the Eastern Conference because I think that they've got as much quality if not more than any other team. I expect them to be up near the top but when we're talking about the truly elite teams in this league, I think the vulnerabilities defensively could be their Achilles heel. Interesting stuff. We'll keep an eye on that. And again, address that next week when they go to a very difficult place to play in a Seattle yes. Sounders team that are on fire right now. Look for, look for that. That's a very tough for a four with, with Ladero, Morris, Rodriguez, and obviously Raul Ruiz, who's one of the best strikers in MLS. Standing so, signing. Uh, yeah, been a brilliant signing. Um, We'll get to Liverpool shortly, but continuing on the theme of Major League Soccer, Friday night, Vancouver Whitecaps nil, Los Angeles, LA Galaxy 2. Zlatan Ibrahimovic's uh, first uh, appearance in Vancouver, I think ever. I don't think he's been there on holiday. Um, <laughs> he seemed to enjoy it as he walked in the stadium. He said it was, I think he used the word fantastic when he was asked by our uh, TSN Stu Walters in terms of the atmosphere. Yeah. Um, and he's been in some fantastic atmospheres, but look, he was a happy boy. He got his goal. He should have got more. He missed an absolute clean sitter when, 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 Max Grippo dropped the ball in front of him and he put the ball wide. Yeah. Uh, in the end, a very, very disappointing result for the Whitecaps where some people I saw today spoke and both read, uh, wrote that it could have been very different just if the <laughs> left back had maybe put his foot yeah. through the ball in the opening two minutes of the game. What do you think? Oh, you know what I think about it. I don't even like Penincas when they work. Everybody right. was waxing lyrical about Alejandro Pozuelo last mm. week. And the I audacity. Was, the audacity Wildman's <laughs> call. Yeah, I was, uh, I never liked them. I just think, what's the point? You know, you're not, you're not having Penencas. <laughs> I've never been to be You look like a guy who'd ever have a Penenka. Yeah, 12 Penenka. yards out. Why yeah. take the chance? Yeah. You know, I hope, I hope your son listens to this. Yeah, like, so they are because if I ever catch him taking a Penenka will be in trouble but yeah. you're 12 yards out why take a chance go and hit the ball put it in the back of the net your best striker of the ball normally a centre forward but could be anybody in the field free shot from 12 yards go and hit the ball score it put it in the back of the net and so why take the chance of a chip and hope that the goalkeeper goes to a side and, and when, it, when it works and it works like Pozuelo it, it looks amazing when it doesn't work mm. it's truly embarrassing and, and you're trying it in a side who have not got a victory this season, struggling for goals, struggling for someone to hold on to, a lead, uh, could go on and on with the, the difficulties that the Whitecaps have faced at the start of this season. You got a penalty, what was it, two minutes in? It was right at the that, start, yeah. was it? Yeah. Just put your foot through it and put it in the back of the net. So I was, I was disappointed for all Whitecaps fans. I was, 
I was gutted for Mark de Santos. I could see him drop his head and just think, what is going on? His new signing as well. Who looks a good player, to be fair? Uh, just got it all wrong. Don't try it on turf either. You know how hard it is to, to do that in turf? I don't know, but well, I'm sure. <laughs> it's like hitting, a, I said to you earlier, it's like hitting a golf shot off a road. Right. You know, yeah, uh, yeah the pros, the top, top pros can do it because yeah. they catch the ball so clean. But if you get it wrong and you hit the turf, first it's not like grass where you have that give and you can come through it you, you sort of get stuck and i think that's what happened wasn't it yeah boy oh boy what a disaster that was um and in the end it didn't get any better for them audio no. uh, had a great chance when the white when the la galaxy defense just messed up and got all the foot, footwork yeah. wrong in the 25th minute and he had a great chance there i bring that up because they were the two glorious chances they could have been two nil up but they were also handed on a plate to them by some terrible defending from LA Galaxy. And I bring that up because now we are five games in and the Whitecaps have scored one goal from open play. One. And they didn't win a preseason game. So now they were five games into the MLS season. They've not won a game. I think over 10 or 11 matches now, they've not won a match. Yeah. They've not, they haven't outpossessed the team yet. I thought in the second half, they were, re I thought they were really poor. Now, a lot, they've got a, a very nice player in Inbom who I thought was tremendous again. I thought he was excellent. He had him a little yeah. bit floating in from the left hand side, a bit more. I think you've got to get him higher. And he, yeah. played, he played really deep, didn't he, early in the game, the first few games, closer to what he say. He's higher up. He can make a difference. You need that speed of thought, that creativity, that quick, quickness of pass to whoever plays there. On Friday night, it was Ardiaz. And then yeah. prior to that, it was Montero. But there's, there's concerns here. No question about it. Yeah, there certainly is. There's, they're not playing the kind of football that we were expecting. We were expecting a real change to the way that the Whitecaps played. I'm, I'm not seeing it. I'm sorry. I think the midfield is is a, a, a bit too similar, a bit too pedestrian. And so when you put Mbom higher up, you know, you you, you got Tybert, you got uh, Arise and you got Felipe on that right-hand side. All very you, similar players. Very yeah. similar, similar type pace, no real uh, invention to the play. And so you're, you're relying on one man again and then boom to, to provide moments of magic. Uh, big decisions were made. Um, first, I'll say Montero being dropped, rested, whatever you want to Correct call decision. it. Correct decision. Yes, yeah. because he's not been given enough. And Ardaez deserves a chance to be up there. But when you bring him in as a designated player, you have to question that sign. And then you say already at such an early stage, you're looking at the the footage of of Montero in the games, and you're saying that he's not giving you enough up top. You you need more, and you need more physical presence. So you you think, well, why bring him in in the first place? I always thought it was a bit of a sorry to interrupt, a bizarre signing for Mark DeSantos. I be, I believe in his yeah. projects. I like Mark, and we want him to do well of as a course. Canadian. But I feel like in his system, he needs someone to stretch the opposition's defense. Yeah. And Montero, it's all ball to feet. It's not yeah. stretchy. It's all in front of the centre-back. He's got some strengths, but it's not the kind of player that I think suits Mark Dos Santos's style, which I think one of the reasons why he didn't play him yesterday. Yeah, he'll put the ball in the back of the net if you, if you put it on a plate for him. He's proved that his entire career, but he struggled in his first spell with the Whitecaps for me to, to go and put in the required work yeah. and the, the effort and run the channels and all the things that the Whitecaps needed then. And I think in fairness and the look of even the, the, the new team that Mark DeSantos has built, they still need that now. They need a player who can, who can stretch the game, who can hold the ball up. And, and the um, identity or the, the description of a Mark DeSantos number nine is normally a bigger guy who has a bit of a presence. And so RDS playing did not really surprise me. Bangura, I said he's one brilliant moment against Houston, but he's been, 
really hit and miss, uh, a lot of miss, unfortunately. And yeah. him and Venuto have sort of swapped the starting role, but both have been subbed after 60 minutes nearly in every game mm -hmm. for the other one to come on because they've never really set the hills on fire. And so uh, there's a number of things going wrong. I think defensively they were pretty solid, but with Zlatan's second goal, Godoy got caught. Henry and Godoy looked a too little easy, bit, no? yeah, way too easy and and uh, and and more vulnerable. And, and Zlatan put that one away for LA Galaxy second. And so it's it's worrying times, isn't it? They've got a massive game on TSN on Friday uh, away at Chicago because Chicago showed some signs to me today um, that they do have the ability to, to cause some problems from an attacking sense. Freddie Montero, uh, 2014 to 16 at Sporting, 14 goals in 51 games, one goal every 3.6 games. Um, in China, nine goals in 29 games, one goal every 3.2. Back to the Whitecaps in 2017, 36 games, 14 goals, one every two and a half. Okay. Sporting 2018, 20 games, three goals one every six and a half. So since 2014, not prolific. No. And now coming in one goal this year in four, uh, again, well, that was a penalty. So I think he can, I don't know about prolific, but I think he can score more goals if you get the ball to him. Right. So I think you need to change the shape and and get more, get Reina and... Uh, and Who was benched again. And, yeah, yeah. And get more guys round about to get the ball in from, but if you're if you're playing the formation that that uh, the Whitecaps are playing at the moment, and in fairness, it was the exact same under Carl Robinson, they couldn't. You know, they were asking him to work too hard, and they were asking for other things from his game, and I just didn't think he was a success. So I was absolutely flabbergasted that he came back to the Whitecaps, and I'm taking nothing away from him because, like I said, when the ball gets them in the box, he'll put it in the back of the net. It's just that in this side, it's not getting to him enough, and so it's taken away from his game, and his uh, his work rate's not high enough for the team. No stars. No. No stars for the Whitecaps. Um, quickly before we get into the next game, uh, Felipe's comments that went viral afterwards uh, when he spoke to TSN Stu Walters yeah. about people there to see Zlatan. Any concerns with that? Any any problems with that at all? Yeah, no problems with Felipe. I think he's quite right. I don't know why the home fans are cheering on an opposition player. I, I didn't really like that. I can understand. I'm not uh, sure they were cheering him on, but I know okay. what you mean. Yeah. Well, I mean... Like, they were day. there to see Zlatan as well as seeing the Whitecaps. The whole, it's the first yeah. time he's been to Vancouver. I get it. We've just said the Whitecaps have not exactly got people right now who are selling out tickets to go see this key player. Yeah. They haven't got a star. I mean, I, I the whole broadcast, as a broadcaster, the whole broadcast was about Zlatan, I, I think, for a but reason. But that's our job to do that. For we, a reason. We are supposed we're trying to build to, it up. We're building Zlatan up. The Whitecaps have every right to build Zlatan coming in if it helps sell the tickets. Uh -huh. I don't know. I just thought it was a little bit of a cheap shot myself. I mean, the, the fans are there to see Zlatan, but as well, if you're from Vancouver, I'm sure you, if the Whitecaps give you something to cheer from, they're probably going to get out of the seats. No, yeah. like mm. at the end of the day, it, I don't know. I thought it was a little bit my, like- My mentality is very British and we would never see that. Would we? we see world-class stars going to You can't compare it though, can you? No, but I am going to you know compare I mean? it because like, if you're trying to create okay, a, well, a home- base and an atmosphere you can't sort of welcome a guy in your stadium but it's just, they didn't necessarily welcome him well, i know what you're saying but okay let's say barcelona have a pre-season pre friendly against Staley bridge celtic or something do you think they're <laughs> going to get more fans to come see messi i'd love to see that game Staley <laughs> bridge celtic against barcelona i don't know i just thought about, the, that stadium, just thought about the them off the, off the, off i don't know if we call it a stadium Barnett or Woking or somebody i don't know i'm just thinking off the <laughs> top of my head but you know what i mean like, like this they've not got stars out there they go yeah. for 
support them. Like if you go down to the pub on a Friday night to watch a, a local band play in Vancouver and yeah. Mick Jagger shows up, <laughs> I think you're gonna, if you find out Mick Jagger's there, you're going to go to the pub, aren't you? Of course, but this is football and football is different. And this is not a preseason friendly. This is a competitive MLS fixture. So you don't welcome anybody into your stadium. You make it a bit of a fortress and you try and uh, make it hostile. for. And I know Zlatan's not going to feel any hostility from 25,000 people in BC Place, the places he's played, but you shouldn't really welcome him. So I've not got a problem with what Felipe said. I really don't. And I think that- I'm um, sure it's tough as a, uh, yeah. I'm sure it's tough as a, as a home fan to see some of that, but I don't think it was that hostile myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. But anyway, um, let's move on to the Premier League. Liverpool are top of the I love that little segment. There. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Anybody else has got comparisons out there? Let us know. If, yeah, you, if you've ever gone into a, 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 a stadium to cheer on an away player, uh, then then let us know. And I'm sure as our top man over here, Clay has told us happens in NBA arenas all the time. Yeah. Hello, Golden State Warriors, uh, Steph Curry <laughs> and co. Um, so uh, Liverpool got top. We'll get through to the headlines next with Shawnee, but they got top of the league. And I thought an extremely enjoyable match on Friday night yeah. at South Southampton. One of my favorite games of the season. They showed everything that you want from a champion team. They go down a goal. They, do, they were really not in the game for the first 25 minutes of the game. Southampton technically, had ma they matched them, but they matched them even more in really work rate, bringing the tactics. I thought they runs from midfield, they pressed them high. It was a true Hassan Huttle performance. They got at them. They were not worried by Liverpool at all. Um, and Liverpool had to find their way back in the game. And I just sat back as a neutral watching it thinking, okay, here we go. Show us what you've got. And in the end, they come out again and show us exactly what they got. I thought they were terrific. Yeah, they were terrific. And and what an advert for the Premier League. Just tremendous football match. You, you, you see a team down near the bottom, still in relegation trouble and coming in uh, against one of the best sides in Premier League history at home to, to Liverpool. Just tremendous. I agree with you, KJ. Their, their game plan, their, their, um, their, their effort, their commitment to the match and their quality was outstanding. And Liverpool were, were hanging on a little bit in the, the first 30 minutes of the game. Southampton went the goal up and then, you know, the critical first goal for Liverpool, brilliant ball in from Alexander Arnold and then the header from Naby Keita was, was terrific. 16 and assists now from fullbacks for Liverpool this season. Robertson and, and Alexander Arnold have just been amazing this season. And I know Alexander Arnold went off on, on, on Friday night and it was a bold, brave decision from mm -hmm. Klopp to bring on uh, Henderson and, and Milner came in that right back role at the time. Um, and he went for the experience, but Alexander Arnold's just a, an outstanding. I know you love him. I love him. He's yeah. a brilliant player, and and the ball was perfect. Keita came onto it, kind of changed the game at that moment, but it was still very much even. And then as the substitutions that I mentioned came on, I thought Liverpool just changed where the game was being played. Twenty yards further forward into the Southampton half, and it had a, a, a big effect on the match because they managed to get concerted pressure. And then ironically, they scored a goal on the counter-attack. Yeah. You know, it sort of changed the, the way the game was going. And at, at, at that moment, I thought, Southampton felt they could get a goal. And within, I don't know, you might know, six, seven seconds, would you say? Yeah. Nothing like, yeah. right up the park, the end. in the yeah. back end. It was amazing. Yeah, I... I, I I think I've said this before on this podcast, but you know, when you watch something at a really high level, you have just incredible appreciation for it. And you know, that we talk a lot about the, 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 the ability as, as these players on the field to deliver every week, but the mental aspect fascinates me, you know, the way that they rise to the occasion and everybody who's not a Liverpool fan or, despise Liverpool or United fans. You know what? They're all sitting there, they're all sitting there waiting to go, 
bottlers. They're all sitting there. That's what they're doing. And yeah. they even if Liverpool get to 95 points and they'll they draw the last game of the season <laughs> and they lose the league, they're going to be given this label as bottlers, which is harsh slash ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. So they're not bottlers for me, the way that they've shown here. Now they might, okay, if they crumble down the last down down the stretch and they don't perform well, then we'll talk about them being bottlers. But you can't say the bottlers right now. No. The amount the, 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 the and what else fascinates me about this is there's only one player there, James Muller, who's won a Premier League. Yeah. And they're still doing it collectively. They're still grinding it out and finding their way through. Three games in a row in the Premier League now, they've gone into the 80th minute and not winning. And they've won. First time since Man City did that last season, by the way. They did it as well. So that just says everything. You know it better than I'll ever know it. But when you get back in that dressing room and you look at each other and you've just done that again for three games in a row, yeah. that's got to be an incredible boost. Oh, it's a, a phenomenal feeling. And, and, to, and to do it at the highest level is just even more impressive and, and admirable to, to watch that. And I'm with you. I, I think this team has more mental resolve, grit and determination than most sides in Premier League history. Yeah. And I, I, I say that with, with all sincerity and I say it because I don't think they're playing their best. We can all see that and say that. They're not playing their best, but they're finding a way to get it done because of the the, the, the deep commitment and, and need to win this title. They feel it from the the prestige deployment at football club as individuals. I think the fact you mentioned that only Milner's won a, a title before, they are desperate for this. They want it so badly that they're willing to do pretty much anything. And that includes Jurgen Klopp, their manager. He knows he needs this for his CV and his career as well. And they, they desperately want to give that to the support. And so they're, they're just grit and determination and finding a way to, to, to get victories. And it's so impressive to watch. And unfortunately for them, they're playing against maybe one of the best sides. If the, Well, I think the best side in Premier League history yeah. in Manchester City. <laughs> a side who have absolutely everything, who have spent vast sums of money, but have just got the best coach in world football and, and are just there and just making them find these results week in, week out. And it, it's in a way, it's such a shame that one of these teams are not going to be crowned champions because to me, they both completely deserve that. Mm, I agree. The last thing on this before we move on is I think that Liverpool's challenge is greater, not just because of the 29 year shadow that's hanging over them, but I think every time an opponent plays them, they know that. Yeah. So they're getting the maximum out of their opponents right now. The opponents are playing them to the top level going, we know the anxiety is there. We know we're pushing you. And I think City's opponents, I think many of them are beaten before the start. Yeah. I mean, you played the game, you know that surely when you play a team going for the title, you think we, we can get them, yeah. we can get these guys, you know, yeah. That's, they're playing the, every game is like a cup final for their opponents yeah. and, and Liverpool are still getting past these Tottenham and in a row at Southampton, you know, they're still getting it done at the moment. Yeah, there's there's a, a big mental side to that KJ and you know, when we won the, the championship with Sunderland in 04, 05, I think it was, it seems like a long time ago now, but we were, <laughs> we were one of the biggest, the biggest side in the championship and everyone wanted to come to Stadium of Light and right. you know everyone brought their biggest game their best game to us so you know you, you need to have players who understand what it means to be the team to beat and we were that and, and, and we consistently won games and we did a little bit of a, a, a city in a Liverpool where we, we powered through at the end we got stronger and stronger and stronger I think we won 11 of the last 13 
lost one and drew one. Uh, wow. And we lost one we shouldn't have lost. Uh, QPR at home. And, it, you know, and... and, and we got on the bevies in that before or something? Uh, no. QPR at home? Yeah, no. We, I think we went a goal up and we lost. Kitson scored, like, Dave Kitson, remember him? Yeah, oh, yeah, I do, yeah. Dave scored. Ginger Nugget. Uh, yeah, he scored a bit of a strike. Um, my memory's fading a little bit now. I think his head Sounds too like many balls. Sounds like it's perfect, mate, to too me. Many balls. I don't know about that. You're bringing out game results, match results from 2004. <laughs> you can't, you know, your memory's not fading. And you've been, by the way, you've been working for what, like yeah, almost 12 hours here. So <laughs> Delirious. You're doing well. So we had that mentality to keep going and, and, and both these guys have it. I just think that, that City are, are probably just a little bit better. And I think that's uh, no indictment on Liverpool. No. They're just, they've maybe just got a bit more quality. Purse trip, purse, yeah. Maybe because they spent exactly. more money, yeah, exactly. basically. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, good stuff. Uh, let's get over to our friend Shawnee for the headlines. And Shawnee, we didn't bring you in at the start of the show this week, probably because you didn't score a goal. No, because you a, scored one last week and we brought you in at the start of the show. Did you defend well? I want to know that. No, it was a bye bi- week this oh, week. We oh, got, that's uh, why then. National break. Two legs semi-final coming up. Nice. Yeah, I think we'll take it. I saw a some, lot of people. I really saw happy some of your teammates. Yeah. I saw some of your teammates last week at the CPL event, which we're going to get to in a second. They were like, "You should have seen Shawnee's goal. They were buzzing, <laughs> buzzing." So we need some video footage of that. If anyone has it, please send it yeah, to ask like to that. I'm sure they don't. But uh, before we get to headlines, I uh, just want to add that I think Oso also made a dig at fans last year okay. when Zlatan scored he did. his goal here. It just made a little. Just okay. saying, it he, came a little easy for them to cheer for Zlatan. So. He's, he uh, Felipe's not alone. You're right. Although in my discussions with also since then, he, he had a, he dropped a caveat. He said, I didn't realize at the time it was his 500th. Ah, because okay. he, he said, I, I did go, have a go at the fans afterwards. But then he's like, cause I did, we're doing a thing on Zlatan 500th goal and in the future, maybe when Galaxy played TFC and okay. I interviewed also for it. And he said at the time he didn't understand that it was 500th. I'm not quite sure if everybody who cheered for him that night is still <laughs> <laughs> understood it was the 500th, but anyway. It, it no, was, I was in the stands. I didn't know it was 500th. That's what I mean. goal. So. Yeah. Did yes. you cheer, Sean? Yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> breaking news. Breaking this news. This is recorded wow. as well. I know. This is interesting. I know. Okay. Um, anyway, um, on to headlines. Manchester City secured their spot in the FA Cup final with a 1-0 victory over Brighton. We've talked about it before, but now that they're a little bit closer... Are they going to win the quadruple? They've got a great chance. Yeah. Wow. We never thought that it'd be this close. Like here we are now, mate. We're in April. They're in a cup final. They are, they've won a cup. They've got a Champions League quarterfinal to come this week against Tottenham. And then we just said that they're the favorites for the Premier League. It's, it, I mean, it's, I've, I don't think I've sought quadruple more in my life. Yeah. You know, this is how realistic it is. It's, it's extremely realistic. And I think that, Again, we, we talked a long time on the the resolve of of Liverpool, but to be at that level of of football and to consistently stay there, uh, Manchester City need so much. You know, we need to talk about the respect we have for them to do that, and I, I think it's um, it's it's fantastic that they can can stay there and get performances. Jesus scored today. We questioned him on TSN maybe last week. Kenji was it when we when Aguero yeah. had his little knock yeah. and we said. He needs to step up. He's been a little bit hit and miss this season for a while. And then he gets a goal today. And, you know, we could go on and on about the number of people that have had big moments for Manchester City. And it's on. It's possible. Um, I mean, what's the most difficult competition for them, in your opinion? Champions, Champions League? League, yeah. yeah. I think so. And who's yeah. their biggest threat? 
Probably Barcelona. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we'll get to Champions League in a second. Yeah. But they're going to, I mean, this has been recorded Saturday, so we won't talk about their opponents in the yeah. FA Cup, but they're going to be overwhelming favourites. Oh, yeah. That's two. Uh, Premier League, okay, six wins out of six, they've won it. I think that's going to be, I don't think they're going to win all six. So we'll see. If Liverpool, yeah. I think if Liverpool win the last five, they'll win the league. Um, I think they're going to drop a point somewhere, City. I just don't, otherwise, if they win all six, they've won 14 in a row to finish the season. It's absolutely incredible. It is incredible. Um, but just to get to an FA Cup final is also equally incredible. They haven't been there for eight years since, it's, they haven't won it since for eight years. They obviously have been there prior to that when yes. uh, certain Gary Wigan. Caldwell left the cup with, Wigan. <laughs> with Wigan Athletic, who yep. would later have Ben the, Watson, shout out for Ben Watson. They would later have the first time I saw him in the box. Audacity to sack Gary Caldwell later oh, on as a manager. We need this so, whole fresh podcast for that. I know. 30 minutes I think special. it's just the third time Man City have reached the FA Cup final since the uh, 1980-81 uh, replayed final which was was that the Ricky Villa final it was yeah, yeah. it might have been there yeah. you go so yeah. there you go uh, some history here as well for you <laughs> Bayern Munich thrashed Dortmund 5-0 today with a hat-trick from Robert Lewandowski this was his 200th goal in the Bundesliga where does Lewandowski rank in the world of strikers right now up there, very, very high in my opinion. Uh, still prolific, scoring goals at an incredible rate. Can put it in with his head. He's two footed. He leads the line particularly well. He's he's everything. And um, when I think about that team, and you know, you go here or you you play against sorry at home against your biggest rivals in, in Dortmund, and you really know the pressure's on you to win, and you beat them five nil. It just screams one word to me, KJ. Winners. They're just mm. out and out winners. They know how to get it done. Uh, what are they? Six Bundesliga titles in a row? Six in a row, yeah. And this is for the seventh. And yeah. it just shows you to be that consistent is just, uh, we're talking the top level of sport. We're talking the best, one of the best, oh, could argue, five, ten teams in Europe. And uh, yeah, magnificent. And, he, and he's been a big part of that success. Yeah, it's it's absolutely incredible to watch that. I saw some of the first half today before we came here and I talked to Schweinsteiger afterwards a little happy, bit about it. He was very happy about it. He didn't even know it was 5-0. He, no, yeah, he so missed was, the fifth. Yeah. He missed the fifth, but you know, so did many people. It was 4-0 at halftime. Um, but yes, yeah. most, most of the Dortmund fans would have missed the That's fifth. That's true. Well, yeah, probably. exactly. Every credit. Massive game for Kovac. Probably his biggest win as a Bayern Munich manager. He needed it yeah. to keep to, to going. Uh, to answer your question, where does he rank? I I mean, this is where you get into like, is, is Ronaldo a number nine? I'm not sure. Yeah. Like, so, um, you know, you've got Harry Kane, you've got Suarez, you've got Aguero, Mbappe, Griezmann. So, you know, he's up there. Oh, you know, yeah, no question certainly. about it. And I actually think because of his failures at international level, which I'd really thought was harsh just because everybody goes to a Euro or World Cup and thinks this guy's going to smash him in. And then you realize some of the players he's got to play with. Yeah. I think he's a little bit underrated a little bit. Um, but look, it's as I say, it's, it's the hardest thing to do in the game, and very often he makes it look easy. Hugo Lloris says you cannot create success in three years, uh, and urges patience in Spurs silverware search. They're already they're now in their stadium. Is next season a must-win time for Tottenham? Uh, this segment of Sean Spurs Corner is brought to you by uh, Daniel Levy's new one billion pound stadium. <laughs> um, I don't. I, I, you lost me at Hugo Lloris, to be honest, because I just like as soon as you said Hugo Lloris, I'm like I just started thinking of like um, what do you what do we call it? Uh, uh, the, the thing what do we call uh, twirl, Cadbury's twirl, twirl fingers twirl fingers yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like got a goalie glove but he's got no hand in it it's so floppy <laughs> can't get the ball he's out had in a there. nightmare season a World Cup so. winner it's crazy but he, he has a nightmare season KJ yes, and yeah. in fairness if they are going to win something in my opinion he 
will not be Spurs number one. He's the one of the first to be replaced. So that's one thing they need to do. So yep. let's spend a couple of minutes on this. Yep. So they have gone through two windows without buying a player. Yeah. And they look favourable to finish in the top four to make it into the Champions League in a, in a spanking new stadium. Yep. This looks unbelievable. We did the game Wednesday against Palace. But there is no doubt about it. Mauricio Pochettino, I think, has squeezed every last thing out of this right now. You know that toothpaste yep. when you're still squeezing it out and you haven't gone to the store? <laughs> you know, squeezing every you know last bit yeah. of it, right? <laughs> so now he's got to throw that away, and he? He's got to go get a new toothpaste. Yeah. So he's got to find some new players. A 60 million pound toothpaste yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. This is the other thing. So instead of going to the dollar store and buying, you know, your, your rubbish ones, he's got to go to a proper like hygienist <laughs> and get like the expensive fact. And Tottenham have never bought these before. No. This is the next factor. Yeah. So they've created a lot of their success on finding gems and molding them into, you know, the good player into very good player. As I always say, the diff- the most difficult thing you can do. Yeah. And they've created world-class players. Now you've either got to, you got to go buy world-class players or you got to find borderline world-class players now. Yeah. And try and keep the ones you've got, which could be very difficult with Ericsson as well. It could be very difficult. And, uh, you know, you have to think that, that is the plan because they managed to hold on to their manager, one of the most coveted managers in the world. And there has to be a plan there. There has to be a, a reason for that, in my opinion. Or, or if I was him, I would have been thinking, okay, where am I going to go? Um, we started that. We, we we said they need a goalkeeper. They're replacing the French number one, but we don't think he's consistent enough to to, to win things in England. One of the hardest places for, for anybody to play, never mind a goalkeeper. I think they need a right fullback or yeah. wing back they need a left wing back fullback in my opinion they need a central midfield player so <laughs> quite much we could be at what are we at 300 million maybe 250 yeah. million right at that point and all of a sudden you're going okay in my opinion if they get the four players and they have to buy them and get them right and they and they're probably not going to be premier league players they're going to be from somewhere else you need to Assume that they can adapt yeah. to the Premier yeah. League really yeah. quickly. They might be able to get like a Juan Bissaka or a maybe or a Declan but he's Rice. He's one of the ones you're talking about. Yeah. He's in between. Yeah. And I even include Declan Rice in that. As yeah. much as I like him, I agree. There's many parties of his game that need to improve. Yeah. If he's a standard of Fernandinho or Fabinho Correct. or even Jordan Henderson with it with a in my opinion, with the experience and leadership attributes and and things that he brings to Liverpool, I don't think Declan Rice is anywhere near that level, Correct. you know. Yeah. So, so if you're talking about guys like that, you still need to say you give them time, Shawnee. And and this is what I mean. If if you really want them to be contenders next year, and contend with a Liverpool and with a Manchester City, with the players that they have, they have to spend two hundred and fifty to three hundred and fifty million pounds, and they won't do it, will they? Because no, you just spent won't. a billion on a stadium. <laughs> uh, keeping it in Spurs corner, though, uh, Champions League quarterfinal start up this week. Uh, what match are you guys looking forward to the most and why? I, I'm looking forward to, let's keep it in, in Shawnee's corner here. Yeah. Tottenham versus Man City. Yeah, we're still being sponsored at the moment. So we should <laughs> keep it in there. They, <laughs> I'm going to go with Spurs against Man City because uh, I think Spurs have a shot. Yeah. Liverpool will beat Porto. Yeah. Right. That's Tuesday's games. Wednesday, Ajax, Juve will be tasty. Be Amsterdam, be magnificent stadium. That'll be interesting for sure. And Man United, Old Trafford against Barca. You know, maybe um, Ander Herrera can give an interview at halftime and say, why has everyone come to watch Messi? <laughs> <laughs> um, but Tottenham, Man City is... Uh, 
I, I, I like that. It's tasty. That's the game I'm watching yeah. more than yeah. anything else. Like, I, I really think they have a chance. I do. Yeah, I, mean, I do as well. I, I think that when you get these uh, national matchups, you never really know what's going to happen. Mm. And I think that's, as we saw from last year with City playing against Liverpool, it's always the one that you, you, I don't think Pep really wants. I think he'd rather play a European 100%, team. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that one. I think it might be close. I think Barcelona will comfortably beat uh, Manchester United. I think Porto are interesting, but I think all in all, over 180 minutes, Liverpool will, will go through that. It won't that. be as comfortable, will it, no, as last year? It no, won't I'm be, with you. It won't be. They've got some qualities, but I think ultimately, in the end, it'll, it'll be a victory. Um and Ajax, Juventus is, I'm loath to go against Ajax. They're so exciting. They have so many great football players. And if they play with the freedom and abandonment that we saw against Real Madrid, it could be very interesting. Mm. But I'm going to say something to you, KJ. Tell me what you think. I don't know what scoreline, going back to Juventus, would make Ajax sort of favourites. You know, if they win... 2-0. Yeah. Juve will still, after what happened, they'll still feel, yeah, we can overturn that. So I I think that just really pushes it in their favour for me. The confidence soaring out of Turin at the moment must be extremely high, especially against Ajax, who have been great, but you have to think that the lack of experience and the run will end shortly. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, quick game. Ranking the outsiders in order of chance to beat them. I'll okay. go with uh, Tottenham 1. Yep. Porto 2. Okay. I'll go with Ajax 3 and Man United 4. I'll go with Tottenham 1, Ajax 2, Porto 3 and Man United 6. Because <laughs> they've got no chance against Barcelona. And I'm willing to go on record and say that. I think it'll be a comfortable victory for Barcelona. They're a very good side. They've got the resilience and the, the toughness we talked about. And of course, they have the quality and they have a man absolutely possessed the best player that we ever saw, or we've ever seen play the game of football, Lionel Messi trying to win the, the Champions League. Sorry, I was just finishing a tweet at Steve O'Colwell. Uh, <laughs> hashtag ask AFP, such an Ollie hater. Uh, get back to you, Sean. Uh, Cardiff City dropped another three points midweek, uh, this time to Manchester City. Uh, with only a handful of games left, is there any hope for them to stay up in the Premier League or are they the third team down? Yeah, they're down for me. I think they've been down for a long time and I know that they've showed great fight and they've been in it and they've had the tragedy, of course, in their season. They've got some uh, real togetherness through that and they won games that were difficult. But at this moment, the gap's getting bigger and that they've got a massive game next week against the Burnley side who are just purring along. They won today, earlier today against Bournemouth. Great victory away from home. And I think they'll beat Cardiff and that'll be it for me. But credit to them. They've kept it going, KJ, haven't they? They've been in it for for the whole year and they were a side that we would probably both would have said would have been way down there at the start of the season. And I think that they've found a way of playing and a team spirit that's allowed them to be, be still in the conversation. And that's down to their manager who's been terrific, Neil Warnock, and the players coming together, but they've lacked quality. No, exactly. Look, uh, talent-wise, they're, they're 20 out of 20, are they not? 
Yeah. Really? Yeah. So they're 18th. They've got 28 points from 32 games. They're, they're overachieving, in my opinion, every credit better than the other two teams right now. I mean, Huddersfield probably don't have much more talent than Cardiff, if any, but they, yeah. they're, they're, they're equal. They've got a few more they've talented got, players. Yeah, exactly. Probably. Yeah. Moy. Yeah. They've got Moy, you know, they've got Hogg, yeah. they've got Zanker. Yeah. So they got these yeah. guys played a World Cup. Yeah. Cardiff not really got any quality players, really. No. Uh, you can make a big difference. No. Um, and I think they know that. They are who they are. We've got the game next Saturday. They have to win. They have to go to Burnley and win. Yeah. If they don't win that game, they're done and I don't think they will Christine Sinclair is now four goals away from the all-time sharing the all-time record uh, as Canada defeated England 1-0 uh, we all assume that she's going to beat the record but what can the country do or the fans do to show honor for her and, and give recognition for her to be one of the greatest uh, players to ever play the game yeah wow what a question um, I think she already got the order of Canada yeah yep. so that's one thing they they, they I mean, the World Cup is a wonderful platform for her to be, which may get it before that, by the mm. way. But, you know, the, this is a sport that, um, that more and more people are falling in love with. I'm talking about women's soccer yeah. now and they need, and they, and they need, they need heroes. And she, for me, I think they just need to continue to embrace her. We haven't got long left to, to watch her play at a very high level. We know this, I would imagine, look, this is going to be her last World Cup. Yeah. You know, she did thought she had one terrific World Cup in, four years ago, but playing on home soil. It doesn't get any better than that. And yeah. now people get to watch her. And I think the more people they get to know her, we're talking about her here, but there's going to be literally probably thousands of people across Canada right now who still don't know. And they're going to get introduced to because it's the World Cup. So, I think the highest recognition is to just watch her and, and see what she can do. Yeah, watch her and appreciate uh, what a, a truly top professional uh, does on a on a consistent basis to score that number of goals is is absolutely phenomenal. And um, I personally hope that she she does it at the World Cup. I think that would be a uh, an amazing recognition to to do it at a, a, a tournament like that. Well, you get Luke Warman to call it too. Exactly, so lucky her, that, yeah. He's it? probably working on that call right at he the moment, is, isn't he? Yeah. Working yeah. his words. Maybe you'll be able to help him again, as what's happened many, many times in the past. That <laughs> Enough has to of that. A bit of a reveal there, I'm sorry. Uh, but no, seriously, it would be great. And I hope she does it in a meaningful game, Sean. I think it'd be tremendous uh, to, to do that. And I, I don't know what else she can get in terms of honours from the country of Canada. But let's recognise one of our best soccer players that have come out of Canada of all time. What a great point. I love your point about the World Cup. That'd be great because the goal is yeah. just so much more valuable. Huh? Yeah, the World Cup. Absolutely. Great. Uh, you'll get the chance, actually. I think May, mid-May, they're here. Yes, so right. There's a chance that yeah, you can see Christine. May 18th, is it, maybe? Yeah, you can see Christine Sinclair yeah. in, in the flesh and maybe you guys give her a standing ovation. Yeah, who, that'd be awesome. Who knows? That, that would be a good idea. Um, last question. Um, a report from Ecuador has Manchester United's Antonio Valencia mulling a move to Major League Soccer. Uh, he's 33 years old. Does he fit the new modern uh, DP molds? And uh, where do you see a player like Antonio Valencia fitting in Major League Soccer? Good question. Um, I think he fits. I think he still has someone in his game. I actually feel a bit sorry for Valencia. How I can feel sorry for a guy who's achieved what he's achieved. But he just kind of dropped off. He was a very important player for Manchester United and a couple of injuries. And before you know it, he, he sort of became irrelevant at the football club. So, you know, I don't exactly know. I'm not on the inside what's going on there, but he was always a, a, a physically impeccable football player. He was a guy who looked after his body. He had every aspect of the game. And, uh, and I just think that, you know, he probably should 
leave and come back to, to North America. It would be right for a, a guy from this area of the world. And I don't know where he would fit, KG. What do you think? And, and, and I think he'd be a good signing. Yeah, but where yeah. would he play and where would he fit? Do you think a place, a market? Um, or? A team? It's hard, isn't it? I don't mean, I mean, one, now it doesn't really matter. Once you got like Marco Fabian going to Philly, like you could play anywhere, really. Yeah. Right? Yeah. right back Cincinnati, somewhere. Yeah, Cincinnati. One for Why a team not? like that, yeah. I like him. I think he ticks a lot of boxes. Look, he's obviously not a DP caliber player, mm-hmm. but he's had a few injuries lately. But on the field, he's very fit. He can gets up and down. Yep. He's, a, he's a winner. He's, that's a very Absolutely. important thing to bring to Major League Soccer. In fact, I think I remember him scoring the goal at Blackburn a few years ago when they won the title. Yeah. So yep. he's obviously got the history of, of knowing what it's done to win things, which I think you can always bring in a guy like that. No character issues from what we're hearing. So, um, yeah. Uh, keep an eye on that space but it looks like his time at United like many players yeah. report this week in the Times I believe a significant overhaul coming at United with an, uh, you know four or five major changes going on at that club again so we'll keep an eye on that thanks for your headline Shorty uh, last episode we asked you for your 2018-19 Premier League Best 11 and a bunch of you had delivered thanks so much for them sending them in if you haven't sent in yours yet send them via Twitter by using hashtag AskAFP and you will have a chance to win some K AJ and Caldwell merchandise. What more could you want? Seriously. Uh, We had a lot of good ones this week and we are still continuing to build our top 50 coming up. That's I love how you looked at me when you said uh, that because you're building yours and I I'm not even looking to think mine. about mine. It's not easy already. You know um, I'll do mine probably an hour before we have to do it. Yeah, that'll be fine. Uh, Sean, what's your favourite 11 from a fan so far? Because we want to hear some and, and, uh, and, and listen to some of these. Yeah, no, we had uh, we had a lot of really good uh, ones. A lot, you sort of knew what uh, they were fans of. A lot of Man City, just only 11. Declare an interest. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, my favourite favorite one so far was uh, Matt's 11. Thanks a lot for sending it in, Matt. Um, we He went with a 4-3-3, uh, three, three, so he didn't okay. uh, hand off a 2-5. A well, <laughs> he's getting a shout out on the pod, so I thought that would be obviously <laughs> rudimentary. Uh, he started with uh, De Gea and Net uh, with uh, left to right, uh, Shaw, Stones, Van Dyke, and Alexander-Arnold in the back. Uh, three-man midfield of Bernardo Silva, Fernandinho, and Pogba. Okay. Uh, and then uh, left to right up top, uh, Mane, Aguero, and Sterling. It's not bad. Yeah, it's not, not bad. bad. Change a few of them. Well, it's not your 11. <laughs> no, so okay. where, so what, where do you think this, this team lacks on the field? Uh, left back. Yeah. I wouldn't pick Shaw's of the good season. I wouldn't pick him either. I wouldn't pick Stones. I think we'd pick no. the same guy there. Laporte. Laporte. Yeah. Absolutely. Laporte um, Robertson. There was a midfielder I didn't like. I like Fernandinho. Pogba. <laughs> no chance. Not in the best eleven for the season. Yeah. You really love good Manchester United. <laughs> no, it's nothing about that. Honestly, I, I used to have Manchester United strips when I was younger. Yeah, I, mean, I was okay, never a supporter. Okay. Of a we team. heard that last week. Yeah, I was yeah. never a supporter of a team, but I, I like Manchester United because they were a, a great team to watch when I was uh, what thirteen or fourteen. But I just don't think. I think there's a lot of things missing in this team, and there's a lot of things missing in Pogba's uh, game. KJ, yeah, so he can't be in the best eleven. No, I don't think he's in the best eleven, but I'm. Eagerly anticipating where you put him in the top 50. Oh, uh, wait, we'll, we'll wait for that for just a few more weeks to go. Okay. Will he make it? Who knows? Um, all right, Shawnee, back to you for our favorite segment, I think. It was one of my favorites because I never know what's coming. And I, I see these hashtags coming all week and I'm like, oh, that's a good one. Shawnee will pick that. And then he always delivers. Hashtag ask AFP. Over to you. Uh, thanks a lot, KJ. Uh, Andrew asks, with MLS expanding to 27 teams in the near future, could you see them getting up to 40 eventually? Would this be a good point to split the league into MLS 1 and MLS 2 with promotion and relegation? Andrew, I want to take you for a beer. 
<laughs> you know why, don't you? Yes. Why do why? Because you're desperate for promotion and relegation. Come on. It, I, MLS 1 and MLS 2. It's already happening, mate. MLS 1 and MLS 2. Just look at the scores every week. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it's happening. Let's figure this yeah. out. Stop with this, like, defiance. The fan yeah. bases are smart enough and loyal enough to their franchises that they're not going to go, I'm sorry, I'm not going to Colorado this week. Now they're in MLS 2. Yeah. Well, you either were or you weren't anyway. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so it's a great question. With it, Let's answer his question and not give our own selfish thoughts. With MLS expanding to 2017, could you see it going to 40? No. 40 is too many. I, I think. think 40. You do? I do. Well, so you're coming around to my East side. East and West. No, I'm a bit... I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's promotion and relegation, but I think more of a East and West. And let's face it, they want as many franchises as they can get. It's more money. It's more revenue. Is there enough markets to host an MLS team? I really believe that is there, there is. Is there 40 markets? I think there could be. Yeah. I think there could be 36, 40, something like that. Two 18 teams. Right. Either side, you think in middle and you split that up a little bit. Wouldn't shock me. Mm. I, like, I like the thought. I, mean, I think 40. Too it, much. It sounds 30. like a big number, but now the more we talk it through, I'm just listening to myself in my head thinking I'm getting a bit pedantic because <laughs> 35, 30, 36, like yeah. why not? Like 36, yeah. two, t two divisions of 18, play everybody twice uh -huh. so we can actually fairly get a schedule. Hello, North American sports. Here's a balanced schedule yeah. for the first time in the history of your sports. Um, 34 games, you know, play 17 teams and then you can have like a bit of a playoffs for both sides. Promotion playoffs, relegation playoffs, playoffs to win the MLS Cup. Yeah. Get it done. Come on. It's just too easy. would. Evan asks, with the media reporting that Mike Ashley looks is looking to sell Newcastle again this summer, do you think he'll ever sell? Or is this just another excuse for him not to spend in the summer? Boy, oh boy, this guy. I mean, oh, he, can't, he just can't predict tiring, it. Isn't he it? can't predict it anymore, no. can you? We've just been speaking to a Newcastle fan down in our lobby. It's the same things every time we speak to these guys. I yeah. feel so sorry for them. They just don't know. Rafa Benitez says his contract's up now at the end of the season. There's this disarray with that. He's presented to the board what he wants. Um, but... Do you think Ashley's going to sell? Look, it comes down to one thing, money. If money. he gets the right offer, he's off, isn't he? He needs the number that he wants or he'll be stubborn and he'll he'll, he'll just hold on. And that's the, they've been the issue for Newcastle for the longest time. And I feel most for the, the fans of the football club because they'll support the team through thick or thin. And they've tried everything to, you know I mean? They've clearly let them know that they, they don't believe in him as an owner, but they've tried... Boycotts, marches, uh, everything that you can think of and, and, and nothing seems to, to budge this guy. And so all they can do is support their team and hope and pray that someone can come in and, and put in the right kind of money that's needed. And also, um, fingers crossed that they keep their manager through this summer because it's absolutely vital for the progression in Newcastle that they keep Rafa Benitez. And what I understand is they're only keeping Rafa Benitez if he gets the things that he needs. And and I think he's a reasonable man. And I don't think he's going to ask for hundreds of millions. I think he knows that it's going to be step by step. But I think that he, he, he's he's sick of working on a shoestring budget. He's sick of being told no, 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 no on everything. And so he has three or four things that are critical to him staying at that football club. And if I'm Mike Ashley and Lee Charlie and, and the guys involved, I don't want to lose him. And I, and I need to do whatever I can to make sure he stays. Uh, Gianpaolo asks, with Spain in a transitionary period and no golden generation on the horizon, is there any possibility that Alejandro Pozuelo could play himself into the national team call-up? No, there is not. Yeah, not in my opinion either. Uh, you know, a quality player, of course, but you see the guys that 
don't even get picked in the Spain squad and you think, well, there's a lot of competition for places, so <laughs> there's nothing against Pottsway. No, nothing against him. He wouldn't, no. he wouldn't get in their no second chance. team. Yeah. yeah. Moving on, John asks, who are your early favourites to win Euro 2020? Oh, what do you think? It's coming home, mate. No! <laughs> <laughs> I just like to wind you up. one of the favourites. They are one of the favourites. They're one of the best teams in Europe right now. I'm not talking like a homer. They're they're one of the best teams in Europe. So I believe the word was favourites, not favourite. <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't yeah. go with France. Although they're World Cup winners. Of course. France are one. No. Yeah. England are another. Yeah. Spain, I guess. Yes. Um, Germany. Yep. Netherlands. Dutch. Yep. Um, yeah. Beyond that. Yeah. It's probably it, would you say? Portugal. Mm, yeah. Just because if, of the way that they... If Croatia get there, they've not started great. Yeah. You never know. But... Yeah, it, it's, I'd, it's oh. also... It is coming home because it's at Wembley. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's coming home for a couple of hours and then... Dutch are going to take it in the plane and back to Holland. With Big them. call. You're going yeah, with the Dutch. I'm going with the Dutch. Wow. There you go. You no, was impressed recently with the Dutch Germany like the game. Dutch. They're really that good. It's a good game. Though. Fl- great game. Yeah. Germans were brilliant. KJ. They played Canabri and uh, and Sani up top, and they were really fluid. Goretzka, false nine, and so there's some good things going on there. We were on the podcast a few episodes ago talking about uh, the big decision by Yogi Love to, uh, you know, end the careers, the international careers of, of Hummels and, and Muller and Botang. And yep. so, you know, they're fresh, they're new, the Dutch are pretty young and fresh, the French are absolutely stacked, they've got quality players coming out their ears, but the English are in there, they're a good team, they're, they've got a good manager who understands the players, um, they'll be there or thereabouts, they're probably a goalkeeper missing. Good point. Devang asks, if the season ended today, who was your manager of the year in the Prem? You and I, Emery? That's, that's what <laughs> that Devang, Devang wants. That's what he wants us to say, isn't it? It's what he wants us to say. I mean, you and I, Emery's done a great job, but yeah, no. I always struggle with this though, because like, how can you not give it to like one of the best two teams? Yeah. Like what Klopp and Guardiola have got out of those teams. You know, like, could I sit here right now and make a case for Javi Gracia and what he's done at Watford? Absolutely. Brilliant. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But is he going to be getting manager of the year? Nuno no. Nuno Espirito Santo. Right. Nuno, yeah, perfect. You know, like those two yeah. guys have been absolutely magnificent, yeah. right? Yeah. So Rafa Benitez, yeah. you know, easily could you. make a case for those. But um, you could almost argue if, if Cardiff go to the last game or two that, that Neil Warnock could be in that with, with what he's got. Exactly. You know? And so, so it's very um, objective, subjective, isn't it? If it was it? to end right now to answer your question, I would probably give it to Klopp. Yeah. Just because I think he's got so much out of that team. Yeah. And as we said earlier, Guardiola is very, very special, but he has got a lot more money spent on that squad recently yeah. than Liverpool has. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably with you, KG. I, I, I mean, it's hard to, to not give it to Guardiola for a guy that's got a team going for the quadruple. And, you know, if you think if... Uh, if we get very close to that or if they indeed do yeah, it, then no it's doubt. obviously him. But I'm with you. He does have the best players, but he coaches them in such a special way. It's just delightful to mm. watch. And so I, I think if I was a, an owner and I could have one guy, as much as I love Pochettino and I, I like Klopp and Rafa is magnificent at what he does, Pep's a man, isn't he? Yeah. Pep's a guy you want. He, he just has such an identity the way that he does things and he gets... The best out of players as well. The best players, I know, but still the best out of them. Michael asks, which Premier League club is one player away from fixing 
most of their problems on the pitch. I uh, love the pod. All the best. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Michael. Um, Thank you. Wow. One player who could fix the Well, if Arsenal had a Van Dyke, yeah, that would be, they would be a real threat. No, yep. but then again, like if Liverpool had another Van Dyke, <laughs> they wouldn't lose. They a goal. would be unbelievable, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, so uh, Liverpool don't have many problems, but like, can you imagine if they had another Van Dyke instead of Matip? Well, I'm watching Matip on Friday night. He loves a little dribble, by the way. He does. He loves a dribble, but he actually looks pretty good. He did all right. Yeah. You know why? Because he's playing next to Van Dyke. Exactly. That's how good he is. Gomez, we thought he was. Tremendous in the early part of the season. You yeah. know why he's playing next to Van Dyke? Yeah. That's how good Van Dyke is. So I think if anybody had Van Dyke, they would be they would be considerably better. Go find the next Van Dyke. He's then. that good. Uh oh, who else? What do we think? We know. like Weigel, don't we? Do we, we do think like maybe Weigel. somewhere for him Matthias in the Delict. Delict, yeah. yeah. I'm not. I like Delict. He's a he's a wonderful player and he's young and he's yeah. gonna get better. I'm not a hundred percent them. No. If I could have another centre half, it would United be United are looking at Varane. Varane, do you think Zidane's going to allow Zidane to no. uh, Varane, sorry, to leave? No, I don't. No, no, I don't no either. No chance. A guy like that, World Cup winner in the middle yeah. of his prime of his career at twenty-five. Come no on, chance. no chance. Doesn't leave Real Madrid, nah. does he? No, nah. no way. Last question. Uh, James asks, which CPL kit was your favorite from Thursday night? I like the Halifax Wanderers home all blue top. <laughs> that was my favorite. I was there. It was a nice event by the CPL. They put on all the, they, they released all the kits. Um, the kits uh, were nice. I thought most of them were, were, were pretty good. So, but my favorite goes to the, to the Halifax Wanderers all blue as you try and bring up some of the kids to find snips. them. Would you like my pictures? Do you well, want us to see them? I'm going to upset my mate here, Jimmy Brennan, because the the, the one that I least liked was your nine. It was a bit too much going on there, and I'm not. You'll upset sure Luke Warman more than that. Yeah, I think. true. Like he's uh, just he's even like tweeting out his love for York Nine at this point. I know. You know, like he's what's that about? He's, he's like pinning his colors. Do you want to see any of the colors? Uh, there we go. This yeah, is a bit too artsy for me. This flick thing, through, mate. There's more of them. Well, my Will's waving at me in the background and desperate for me to see Pacific FC. Oh, the purple one's nice. Yeah, well, it's got. The Volks, Volkswagen on the front it makes it look yeah. a, a little bit the like the front Bundesliga. Is that yours? You know, Bundesliga. Yeah, no one can see that phone, mate, that's listening. So uh, the one at the front, that's when it, that, that's the, the the one I like. Yeah, you yeah, like, like Halifax. It. The away one? Uh, no, the blue one. They oh, like the away. They I like the blue. away. Yeah, yeah they're both very nice. The I'm going to go for Pacific FC, though, because oh, Will will be mad at me if I don't. Okay, Pacific FC it is. But it was good to see the players, they looked a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. You've done modeling. Well, I am a bit of a part We were expecting you to come out in your fedora because <laughs> you've done that before just check his Instagram you know we've been Luke with that we we're wondering is, is Stephen is, is Stephen with a PH because that's what you were that night yeah Stephen with a yes. PH Caldwell uh, your other life yeah you know football analyst ex-player Stephen with a V yeah. Stephen Caldwell the model with a PH I only really do it at fashion week so and right. so because this was a separate event I didn't I want to be involved in it you know I know yeah. someone else I don't know how you can never walk down <laughs> I, I, I couldn't do that for all the money. And, uh, no, no. It was the most nervous I've ever been. Was it? I got there. So you played like the finals at, at It must be said it was a charity thing, okay? And so I get there and you I'll don't care. I'll find a different way to give to charity, <laughs> mate. I'm never so doing that. It was a charity thing and I get there and I was a little bit nervous. It was, it was out of my comfort zone and I've played in front of 
a few big crowds in my time. Certainly have. Right. And so I walked out and there was about 200 people there and I basically sprinted, which wasn't very fast, if you know me, to the end of the line. And I turned and I got back because it was very intimidating, especially when you're wearing a, a silly fedora. Yeah, you did. Nah, no, I'm not going to say anything else. <laughs> uh, as Alan Partridge used to end, on, on that bombshell, we shall finish. Uh, make sure to subscribe, rate and review. And thanks to all of you for listening. As usual, thanks to Clay. Thanks to Sean. And we'll see you next week.